I want to invite you to turn with me this morning to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. As we move into this last chapter of the book of Romans, Paul does something at the end of this letter that he does at the end of most of his letters, and that is he extends some personal greetings as well as some personal commendations of uh, co-workers in the gospel that he has labored with. And as we move into this last chapter, I just want us to think about some of the things that Paul is seeking to communicate here. Because he is doing something more, I think, than just giving a recommendation. He's giving something more than just sending a greeting. In fact, in the way that Paul does this, and Romans, the end of Romans has the longest list of a greeting like this in all of Scripture. And as you read through some of these greetings and recommendations that Paul has, he says something about each and every one of them. He gives some uh, character trait, some Christian virtue, something that he holds up as an example to follow in each of these Christians that he names. But then even above and beyond uh, listing these people and, and sharing his thanksgiving and his appreciation for them, he also has some really important things to say toward the end of the chapter about false teachers, about the need to persevere in the faith, and, and some final blessings that he gives from God to the Roman Christians. And so I, I want us to not just gloss over these names quickly, and read through them and, and not really think about what Paul's doing here. I think this, is, this shows something that is near and dear to his heart and is communicating something to us. One of the things that I believe that this list and lists like this communicate to us is the importance of people. The importance of people in ministry. Sometimes people take Romans and especially the book of Romans, and they turn it into um, a doctrinal treatise and make it more of an academic thing in, in going deep into theology. And certainly there's a lot of theology in Romans, right? And we've looked at it as we've walked through it. So there is a lot of theology in Romans. There's a lot to consider here. There's a lot to meditate on. But we also have to keep in mind that for Paul, ministry was not just theology. Ministry was also people. Essentially, you could view Paul's mission as this, is taking the truth of God that had been revealed to him and matching it up with and making it effectual in the lives of people. And so you might could say that Paul's ministry could be boiled down to truth and people. Truth and people. And he cared passionately about both. And so as we think about Romans, we need to remember that Paul did not intend for this to be just a book studied by scholars and debated on and have theological disputes on. This was a letter, a personal letter that he wrote to people and he believed that this letter would be received by those people and read and understood and appreciated and his hope was that they would apply what they read from this letter. 
So this is about taking God's truth, but applying it to the lives of people, real people and people of all classes. As we walk through this list of names, we will see all kinds of people, people who are rich, people who are poor, people who are free, people who were enslaved or maybe just coming out of slavery, uh, both male and female, Jew and Gentile. We have all kinds of people who are listed here, and all of them were important to Paul, and he wants to deliver God's truth equally to all of them. And so I think it's important for us to see how central people were in the ministry of Paul, both in helping him and in his mission of delivering God's truth to them. And so I think that in itself is helpful. And what I want us to do is today we're just going to focus on the first two verses Because Paul gives a special commendation to one Christian in particular in verses 1 and 2. Paul says in Romans 16 verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Cancreae. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people And to give her any help that she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, our God, we thank you for these last wishes and commendations and greetings of Paul. They reveal to us his heart, his passion for the gospel and for the people that that gospel would touch. Lord, I pray that you would help some of that that passion for the gospel in the lives of people, that some of that would spill over onto us, Lord, as you take these words and apply them to our hearts through your spirit. Lord, bless these next few minutes together as we think on and meditate on your word. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. When Paul begins... Romans 16, verse 1, he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. Why would he do that? Well, for a couple of reasons. Basically, what he's doing here is he is with this final chapter of Romans, he is giving, as if you will, a personal recommendation letter of Phoebe to the church in Rome. Now, remember, Paul's never been there before. We've seen in the book of Romans that that Paul has desired to go to Romans. He still has a desire to go to Rome, but he has not been there. And from what we can tell from these two verses, Phoebe had never been there. And so what what happened often in the the ancient world, especially in in the early church, is that if there was, say, a, a traveling Christian, a traveling missionary, maybe going from one church to another city to another church, someone who was known to that church would send a recommendation of this person letting that church know that this is a true believer in Christ. This is someone that you can, you can see as, as someone worthy of, of receiving into your fellowship. Uh, someone who uh, you don't have to worry about them being a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh, this, is, this is someone that I can readily recommend to you. And so this was common in the ancient world and in the, in the early church so that Christians would know uh, from Paul, they knew who Paul was. 
right? They knew who Paul was. They knew who the apostles were. And so when a Christian received the recommendation of Paul or of Peter, that church would know, even though I've never met this person before, I know that Paul trusts them. I know that Paul or Peter or James, they trust this person. This, they've worked with this person. They know this person's testimony, their character. They know that they're a true follower of Christ. And so that's one of the purposes for this recommendation. And also, too, most commentators believe that Phoebe was probably the courier of this letter. So you have to think about the fact that in ancient Rome, in the, in the first century, you didn't have uh, mail cars, you know, mail jeeps driving through the neighborhoods. You didn't have, you didn't even have the Pony Express. Okay? You didn't have any way of sending mail from one place to another by any kind of organized system. The only thing that had any kind of organized delivery system like that for messages would have been in the army, say the Roman army. But for common people, they had no way of sending a message or a letter through any kind of delivery system. So what they would do is they would have someone who was trusted, someone that they, they could entrust something of great importance to, and that person would travel many miles under, under the threat of danger, under difficult conditions, and that person would take that letter, that message to its destination. And so that's most likely what Phoebe is doing here because she is the only one mentioned in this chapter that is going from Paul to them. So she is most likely the deliverer of this letter. So he wants her to be received and to be welcomed as a believer in Christ and to welcome her as the deliverer of this letter. And basically he says she is someone who is worthy of commendation. Worthy of commendation. Now, what is it that makes her worthy of commendation? And what can we learn from her and from Paul's commendation of her? I think three things that I think we can take away from Paul's commendation of Phoebe. One reason why he commends her is because she's a sister. She's a sister in Christ. He says in verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. And later on, he says in verse 2, I ask you to receive her in a manner worthy of his people. Literally, worthy of the saints. So, she is a sister in Christ. What, is that, what does that convey? I think it conveys a couple of important things. One is, she's a true believer in Christ. So, Paul's using this spiritual family type language to communicate that she is a true believer in Christ, which means that Paul has seen in her life the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. He's seen her testimony. He's, he's ministered alongside of her. He knows her testimony, her character. He can refer to her as a genuine sister in Christ. So she's a true believer, but also he views her through the way that, that the entire New Testament provides the way for us as believers to relate to each other, and that is as family. So he sees her not only as a believer, but he sees her as family. It's interesting that, that many times Paul will refer to people in the church as a brother in Christ, as a sister in Christ. The older ones in the congregation he would refer to as a spiritual father 
or a spiritual mother. It reminds me of what Jesus said one time when someone came to him and said, Jesus, your, your mother and your brothers are here waiting to see you. And you remember what Jesus said? Jesus says, the one who believes in my word is my mother and my brother and my sister. In other words, Jesus was emphasizing that there is a bond that runs deeper than blood. There's a bond that runs deeper than blood. And if you think about it, this bond of spiritual family fellowship has to be deeper than blood because it's longer lasting than blood. The family of God is a family that you will always have. It is a family that you will have through all of eternity. You may not necessarily have your physical brother or sister with you in eternity. I pray that you will. I pray that every one of your family members is a believer in Christ and you will have them with you in eternity. But not all of us have brothers or sisters who are believers in Christ. We may not have a physical brother or sister, a blood brother or sister with us in eternity. But there's a bond that runs deeper, and that is the bond of Jesus Christ and his blood and the union that we all share with him, a union that will last for all of eternity. And so all of us in Christ are brothers and sisters, and we share in the family of God. And Paul viewed her in that way as a true family member, as a sister. There was a bond of love there. So he commends her to them as a sister. Secondly, he commends her to them as a servant. He commends her to them as a servant. We need to discuss what Paul writes in verse number one when he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Cancreae. What does he mean, deacon? The King James Version, the New American Standard Version, the ESV, translate that as servant. The traditional translation of that is servant. The NIV, the New Living Translation, a couple of other translations translate it as deacon. The old RSV translates it as deaconess. Why, why the difference in translation? Well, the Greek word that is used here is diakonos. So the word is deacon. It is the word from which we get our word deacon. It is the same word that is found in Philippians 1.1 when Paul says to the elders and the deacons at the church at Philippi. It's the same word. Uh, it's the same word in 1 Timothy 3 when he says, here are the qualifications of a diakonos. So it's the same exact Greek word. So that's why some translations go ahead and translate it, deacon. But what is a deacon? What is a deacon? A deacon is a servant. A deacon is a servant. And I think one of the things that, you know, when we, for those of us in traditional Southern Baptist circles, traditional conservative evangelical circles, when we see uh, a woman named Phoebe matched up with the term deacon, we automatically think, whoa, what's, what's going on here? Because traditionally in the Southern Baptist church and many denominations, we do not install women as deacons in, in any kind of uh, official title or role. And so we might bristle a little bit when we, when we read that and we think, what is, what is Paul saying here? 
And I think there are a couple things to consider. One is, especially in Southern Baptist circles, in our in the, the polity, and by polity I mean the way that we govern our churches, the way that the church is run. Uh, traditionally in Southern Baptist churches, uh, deacons have assumed a role of oversight that I think probably using New Testament language is probably more along the lines of an elder or overseer. So in, in Southern Baptist churches, deacons have assumed a role of oversight. They become uh, a group who meets together for uh, decisions sometimes of, of considering things, of bringing things before the congregation for a congregational vote. And so oftentimes in Southern Baptist circles and in many churches, deacons provide a role of oversight. If that is how we're understanding the term deacon, then I would not be comfortable with Phoebe in that position. Because 1 Timothy 2.12, Paul says, I do not permit a woman to have authority or to teach in the church. So in two areas, I believe the New Testament puts limits around the role of women in ministry, and those two limits are teaching and authority. At least teaching in a general sense to the whole congregation over adult men. I believe it's perfectly legitimate in the New Testament for women to be teachers of women and for women to be teachers of children. But I I, I do believe that the New Testament puts restrictions about women teaching in a general context of teaching men, serving in a a pastoral teaching role over men. Same thing with uh, general leadership, oversight, or authority in the church. I believe the New Testament puts limits on that as well, both in the home as well as in the church. The New Testament teaching is that that leadership in the home and the church is for men. So if we're understanding the role of deacon as an oversight, a leadership, a decision-making role, then I would not be comfortable seeing Phoebe in that official capacity. But if we understand deacon, I think probably more in the line of the New Testament meaning of the word, and some of the ways that we see deacons first operating in the New Testament as a servant uh, who ministers to people, ministers to the needs of people, and take care, takes care of certain uh, aspects within congregational life, I would say that I would be very comfortable with Phoebe in that role. And so it, it depends on how we understand the word deacon. The way I understand the word deacon is that a deacon in the New Testament is not necessarily a teaching role, and it's not necessarily an oversight or role of authority. In the New Testament, a deacon is someone who serves. And how do they serve? Well, it could be serving in various capacities, right? So in Acts chapter 6, one of the ways that the early deacons served is they were responsible for the distribution of food to the widows and to the poor. And so there we see one essential aspect of a deacon-type ministry is taking care of physical needs of people. Uh, you also see uh, deacons functioning in different roles, um, pr- uh, providing, for, uh, providing for the poor, uh, taking care of the sick, visiting the sick. And so deacons tend to be, in the New Testament, more focused on serving the the physical needs of people 
as well as seeking to be an encouragement and a model for them spiritually. Phoebe fulfilled that role. And so I don't want us to get hung up over the title in terms of maybe an official office. I want us to see her function. And her function is that of a servant. And in fact, I think that's important for us all to remember is that it's not about titles. It's about service. Jesus even taught his disciples that, didn't he? When when James and John were arguing over who's going to be on his right side and who's going to be on his left side in the kingdom of God, Jesus says, no, 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 this, that's not how the disciples, how my disciples will be in the kingdom of God. That's how the pagans do it. That's how the Gentiles do it. They, they, they seek positions of authority and they, they like to lord it over their subjects, but not so among those who are in the kingdom of God, because the greatest among you will be your servant. So it's not about titles. It's about serving one another. It's about service in the church. And Paul commends Phoebe to them because she was a great model of that. She was a great model of servanthood in the church. Now, in that sense of the term, we already have female deacons in our church. Because we have ladies who are involved in very many ministries that are a help and a blessing to people. We have ladies who who help those who are going through difficult times. We have ladies who prepare food and help in the serving of food for fellowships, but also at at difficult times in people's lives when they've lost a family member. Uh, we We have ladies who help in nursery and teaching Sunday school. We have ladies who who help in in a lot of different ways in our church, in in helping in our financial areas of church. We have a a, a lady who is a treasure of our church. So we have ladies who serve the church in various roles. In terms of the the function, we already have this in our church, and we have good examples and models of it in our church. Phoebe was one such example, and Paul commends her to them. So she's a sister— She's a servant. And finally, Paul commends her to them because she was a supporter of Christians. She was a supporter of Christians. He says in verse 2, Receive her in a way worthy of his people. Give her any assistance or help that she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. What's the idea of a benefactor? Probably Phoebe was either single, never married, or perhaps she was a widow, but someone who is of means. Someone who, had, who would have the means and the financial uh, ability to travel like she's doing from Cancreae to Rome. Uh, someone who was able to host probably a group of believers in her home. And to have a church meeting in her home, that was the way many of the early churches met, is they met in people's homes. And so she may have had a home that was larger, that could accommodate a, a fellowship of believers meeting in her home. And in addition to that, it says she was a benefactor, meaning she provided hospitality for Paul, for other uh, traveling missionaries, 
allowing them to stay in her home, providing shelter, providing food, providing a financial benefit to them. And so she was a giver. She was a supporter of ministry to Paul and to others. Phoebe was someone who used everything that she had for the sake of the cause of the gospel. That is someone who's worthy of commendation. She used her abilities in service, and she used her resources in support and giving. And Paul says, I commend her to you. So what can we learn from these two verses? I would say one application that we can draw from this is let us be, as Christians, someone who is worthy of commendation. Let us be, as Christians, someone who is worthy of commendation. So that if we were going to a church where we had never been before, that we could send a letter about you saying, I heartily recommend this person to you as a believer, as a brother or sister in Christ, someone who has faithfully served the church of the living God. We should aspire to be that kind of person. So may we be someone who is worthy of commendation and in the ways that Phoebe exemplifies through service and through support of gospel ministry. How has God blessed you? What talents, what gifts has he given to you? What spiritual gifts has he entrusted to you? Use those for the sake of the body. Use those for the benefit of other believers in Christ. What has he blessed you with financially? How has he blessed you with means? Use that in good stewardship because ultimately it all belongs to God, right? So use that in good stewardship for the advancement of the gospel and for the kingdom of Christ. So use what you have been given, whether talents or time, for service or financial means for support. Use whatever you have been given to support and advance the mission of the church, which is the proclamation of the gospel, isn't it? Jesus said, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel, make disciples everywhere you go in every nation, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So as believers in Christ, we should either be going like Paul, and you could even say like Phoebe, who's traveling to deliver a message. We should either be going or we should be serving and supporting. But all that we do should be for the sake of that mission. That helps give our, gives our lives purpose, doesn't it? It gives our lives purpose. It gives our lives focus. We are here to bring honor and glory to God by the advancement of his mission. You can say that is our role in life. And we can advance that mission anywhere that we go. We can advance it in our families. We can advance it in our workplaces. We can advance it in our friendships, our neighborhoods. But all that we are is for the glory of God and to the advancement of his mission. So may we be used in that way. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father God. We thank you and praise you for the tremendous work of grace that you do in the lives of people. 
Here is a woman, Phoebe, a Gentile, someone who is named after one of the Roman gods in the city of Rome. And she was graciously transformed. She became a follower of Jesus Christ, a spiritual sister of Paul and the early Christians. Lord, what amazing grace you showed in her life. What, what, amazing, uh, what amazing work you did in her in, in calling her to yourself and in developing her as a, as a servant and a supporter of the church. We praise you, Lord, for saints like that. We praise you for saints who have gone before us, who have helped to support the mission and to advance the church so that we can enjoy the blessings and the benefits that flow to us from their foundational work. Father, we thank you for the grace that you've shown in our lives. You've called us to yourself. You've made us a part of the family of God. We are now brothers and sisters in the Lord, and you've given us opportunities. You've given us abilities. You've given us means. Lord, help us to dedicate those to you, to use them for your service and for your glory. Lord, bless our church. Bless this church. Bless your church universal as it continues to advance the gospel. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.